Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off to a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood for the next-gen Ford Ranger for work or play. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for the next-gen Ford Ranger. Everything you need for work and play one of the most uh, reputable recreational anglers in the country is, of course, Aaron Habgood. He joins me every week, as we both do. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. And I'm uh, up here in beautiful, sunny Noosa. And for everyone in Melbourne, we've just got a nice 27-degree day coming our way. So it's our first, we'll call it heat, heat wave, because we've only had uh, 25s, which I'm not whinging about either, because in a few days' time, I'm coming back to uh, – Back to Melbourne, and I'm well and truly excited to get amongst the fish again after a couple of weeks off, which has been nice, Pat. You don't any fishing up there, Redmond? Like, generally, well, your holidays are, well, I'm going to go on a holiday and not fish because I fish all the time. Yep. I've been sucked in a couple of times. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, no, it's been, we got, we've got a little bit of information in the, in the whip around that I'm going to talk about in my Noosa report in the, in the Queensland section there, Pat. But it's, uh, yeah, we've done a couple of days on the water, which has been nice different just different up here like you got to push out wide to get to the uh to get to the obviously the 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 reef as such there is inland fishing but like just talking to the skipper of the boat the way it works it's all temperature based and snapper's a big thing up here at the moment and what i mean by temperature based is they're trying to sort of run off the same temperatures as what we nearly do so the colder the water here the better their inland snapper fishing is as such. And when I say inland, they don't have bays and estuaries like we do, Western Port, Port Phillip and et cetera. But off Noosa here, just outside the heads, they've got an open area where they tend to go out and fish, which is inside of the uh, inside of the reef structure, which is out wide. And the, the reason for it is their water might be like 22 degrees and they're trying to get as low as possible for those snapper, which is what we get in Port Phillip. We're trying to aim to get that... 18 degree temperature in Port Phillip and where they're trying to get that the colder it is the more fish they catch inshore otherwise they have to go really really deep uh, up to 100 meters of water at times 70 to 100 which is out near those which is out near those reefs so in terms of that run offshore are we going to start to see some of those you know when are we going to start to see the big game fish more consistently Outside of Noosa area? Yeah, Yeah. I spoke to them about that. They'll have their Spanish mackerel run rock up. They get a few marlin. They get some black marlins in close around February, but they're only meteries. They're small. Up at Fraser Island, you can literally sight cast these marlin with on fly, uh, which is something that I reckon you'd love doing, is these little marlin are in these, like, two to six foot of water like their their fins are pretty much sticking out of the water or their dorsal fins, I should say, and they're targeting them on fly. So, it's a great, great area to fish up here, and I'll talk about what we caught a bit later on in the whip around, I think, Pat. I was actually chatting to to Bomber Farrell, um, one of yep. our uh, favourite guests. Obviously, he he works out of Groot Island, and Andrew Stephen and, and Rob Cummings from, from North Bank and Melbourne Marine, they're up there at the moment. And I think Bomber's had his boat for, I think it's 
I think it's seven years this year or six years. He's done four thousand hours he's gone through three different engines he was going through a bit of a walkthrough of the boat the other day that i caught on on socials and you can catch our real adventures socials redmond uh each and every week on our facebook and instagram channels send us a direct message we'll do our best to get back to you uh for our segment um the social club so you can join in the conversation ask us anything around fishing boating might even be finals footy at the moment um and he was talking around this the the work that boats get put under and the stress that you know four thousand hours on the water does. Uh, you're probably one of the few in the country that do similar hours. Yeah, and my boat's at the doctor's at the moment, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get fixed. I actually got a new two hundred Merc on my boat, so I originally had the one seven five, which was uh, just close to a thousand hours that I'd had for the last twelve months, and I've just put. Uh, the new 200 on it. So the V6 200 Merc is on the back, which is exciting. Wow. And the reason that I've done the 200 instead of the 175 is the same conversation that you and I have had over the years is my theory is you'd rather have it than not. And I'm not talking about – I I don't like stupid, stupidly powered uh, vessels. Some six-meter boats have 400 horsepower on them. I just don't understand that. So I've got a six-meter boat. I've put a 200 on it. I'll get about 80 kilometers out of it. I'm going to play around with the prop on this one again. I'm tipping it will be pretty much close to the same as what I do have on it at the moment, but I've got to play around with that, and I'll do that once I get the boat back home. Mercury will come down and chop me out there. I think it's the putting less stress on the outboard because you don't have to work it as hard because it's a higher outboard. Like, oh, that as much as anything. I actually spoke to Lee Rayner about this. Lee Rayner, as we know, is at Melbourne Marine Centre at the moment, and when I dropped the boat off, I spoke to Lee about it, and he goes – I'm going to put uh, – he goes, I'm going to – the 175-200, and Lee's ordered the 650 hardtop in the North Bank range, and he was saying how he's going to put the 175s on it. And then he goes, you'll probably lose use less fuel with that 200 than what you do with that 175 because the engine isn't working as hard. Yeah, yeah. But because you've got the 200 horsepower, which isn't much bigger than 175, but it just brings those revs down a little bit more, and you'll get a lot more – I guess, well, not a lot more, but you'll notice, especially those big days that I do, Pat chasing those fish off a polo, and even at home now, the fish, we're going to talk about the barrels a bit later, but just doing the hours on the water, when you're doing so many like myself, it does add up to be quite expensive on the fuel aspect of it, so it is good to have that, also that good to have that little bit of punch for when, for example, when you're going out of a bar, for example, the Portfoot Bay Heads, even the Noosa Bar here where I'm staying at the moment or whatever it is, I just like having that power on the engine to get yourself out of a situation. I like having it propped right. I'm not too phased for myself about top-end speed. I'm more about getting out of the hole and throwing myself and then being as economic, economic, can't even say the word, economic as you could possibly be when I'm traveling at that cruise speed for me, which is flat out. (laughs) Uh, you haven't seen any boats uh, go A over T oh. at the bar because it is one of the more um, oh. eventful uh, days that you'll have if the swells up and there's boats trying to get out to fish around Noosa. It's been so pleasant since we've been here. In all honesty, we spoke to a few of the locals and even holiday makers that have said we couldn't have timed our trip any better. And I actually came up a few days earlier than the other guys with my family and uh, we had a bit of crappy weather when we got here and 
bit of wind and whatnot. But since we've been here, we've barely had any wind at all. There's been no swell and the weather's been great. But I'll tell you the one thing. So nothing you're... interesting then? No, no, no <laughs> there is interesting. If you're driving out there, keep your bloody eyes open for these whales. I tell you what, they have come back in numbers around the world since obviously the rules and regulations, which I don't have a lot of information about. But over the years and years of just being able to, I so guess. You're not happy. You're not happy. You want well, the whalers back. I'll tell you what, if you hit one, you're going to want one back because there are so many out here and not just out here, back at home and along the coast. They're a beautiful creature. I love watching them. Everyone loves when they put on a show, flapping their big wings out the side, smashing their tail and doing what they do. It's bloody extraordinary to see. And I'm not joking, out of Noosa here, we were swimming at the beach and there was one literally not even like 50 metres, 80 metres, just sort of drop off, just playing up and everyone's watching it. And they, they were literally lined up right out to where we were fishing the other day. So they're the ones you got to watch out for, not the bar at the moment, Pat. <laughs> hey, a bit of uh, a bit of 4x4 news before we get stuck into the fishing. Uh, Volkswagen's group Skoda has moved to a new seven-year warranty. Now, this begs the question, Redmond, it's around pressure from the industry as everyone looks to uh, what manufacturers are offering. So they're now, uh, they've hit the mark of seven years. I know it's a reason why you bought the vehicle that you did. Yeah, we just, with the warranty side of things, Pat, well, we looked at so many cars and I'm not a car person. I'm a bit similar to yourself. You love your, you, you love your Everest and whatnot. And I was going to purchase one of those. I actually messaged you to see if you're going to sell one of yours. I looked around and honestly, we bought uh, the, we bought the Outlander uh, and no word of a lie, just purely on the base of warranty. Because yeah. if something goes wrong, it's on back on them. And they're a 10-year warranty. So for me, it's about I'm not a car person. I can't fix it. I want to save money. If something stuffs up, here you go, fix the thing. I don't want to see it till it's back and it's better. So that's the easiest way to explain it in my book. An electric Mitsubishi Triton is in the works, apparently, with executives revealing the off-road ute will be offered uh, with either a electric version or a hybrid version at some stage throughout 2023. So looking forward to seeing that. And the new Ford Everest has dropped all the reviews are going live on basically all of the major car uh, websites at the moment, and they've been extremely popular. The range kicks off at 52 grand, right up to the platinum spec at 77, three and a half ton towing. Uh, it's a really competitive market, that obviously. We've got the Kia Carnival up here, which is the 10-seater bus, but Kano has managed to score himself an Everest, and we've been doing a bit of chop and change and getting around here. They're a beautiful car to drive. They're spacious in the back. I looked at it with the seats folded down. You can fit so much in it, and they're nice and high off the ground, so you don't hit things. Like we've had the driveway here is a shocker. We're staying in. I can't get the Carnival down there. The Everest, as a family car, I strongly recommend it. If that new warranty comes in, it's definitely something to look at for our next new car. Yeah, and I think the big thing with um, the Everest, obviously, it still maintains its three-and-a-half-ton uh, towing. So if you're looking to tow a caravan or a boat, that clearly is a deal-breaker for many fishos. Redmond, we've got a massive show heading your way this morning. After the break, we're going to chat school holidays. They're fast approaching, or are they here, uh, depending on where you are around the country. So we're going to talk about getting your kids into fishing. Uh, Gavin Hurley joined me earlier in the week. It's a great interview, uh, and we talk around uh, – 
fly fishing what his business does and also at the moment they're offering for 99 bucks um they've got their beginners course if you're looking to get into fly fishing i know you love your fly fishing aaron um why are you it, looking at me when you say that is it's not i'm past beginner in fly fishing aren't i it is it is a great way uh to learn something that is is so very rewarding uh, that's all coming your way this morning on real adventures for the next gen ford ranger you're listening to Real Adventures for the next-gen Ford Ranger for work or play. Welcome back to Real Adventures for the next-gen Ford Ranger. School holidays are here, Redmond. Let's talk about getting feeds in, uh, kids into fishing. I was going to say feeds into fishing. Uh, kids into fishing. This time of the year, weather's starting to warm up. You can get back outside again. You can start to uh, to fish the beaches, fish the piers without that horrendous cold winter wind that we get at times. I reckon wind's the key factor no matter what you're doing, Pat, with with kids. Wind is a shocker. It gets you cold. It doesn't even matter if it's a 25-degree day. If you're out in the water, they say it's between 5 to 8 degrees colder. So it's wind is the number one factor. Just choose days where there's light winds. And the number one thing for me, He's making sure it's offshore, so the wind's on your back. So if you're fishing off the surf out the front of your place down at Mogsway, you don't want a southerly wind blowing into your face. It's no good. You want sort of a west to northwest down your way, and that'll sort of be the best option to have the wind hitting your back. You don't feel it as much, and the kids will definitely last a hell of a lot longer. And you've also got places like piers, for example. You can head down to Point Lonsdale Pier as an example, and plenty of squid and salmon are being caught off the Point Lonsdale Pier, but then you've got to be mindful that you've also got tide that runs there to the Port Phillip Bay head. So what age kids do you take there? Because someone like Finn, who's two and a half my son, would you take him there? No, because you're going to spend the whole time there trying to grab his bloody back of his jumper because he's, <laughs> he's going to jump off the pier. He wants to jump off and go for a swim and catch that salmon, or he could step over a tackle box and fall in, and once the tide gets him. Where if you went to somewhere like St. Leonard's or Port Arlington Pier where you're going to catch little mullet and you put a burly trail in and catch salmon – as long as the kids are catching, they're going to be happy. And at least if the kid falls in there, I'm going to – well, the water's a bit cold. I might let him sit in there for a bit to see if he gets himself out of trouble. But at least there, if he falls in, he's just going to float in the one spot or go down slowly in the one spot and I can get him rather than have a place where the tide's going to be pulling. So be smart where you're going. Check it out. Read the signs in Victoria here. There's great signage which covers the safety precautions around these places and you'll have a great time uh, fishing out there with the kids. Right, it is time for the whip around for Jayco Sydney, your next great escape. Let the adventure begin with Jayco Sydney and Victoria. Uh, barrels between the heads at the moment and Western Port Redmond, they are going really well. This has got people very, very excited at the moment. How are people attacking them? Yeah, we don't have a heap of time this morning, Pat, but we're going to. I wish I could speak about these all day and we'll dedicate a little bit more to next week's show. I promise you that. But there are plenty of fish there. You've got to go out there, find the life, the whales, the birds working. Same story for the barrel tuna. Just spend the time. Pretty much every boat that's going out there is, is, getting, fish. is yeah. getting a bite. Yep, they're getting yeah. a bite. So well worth heading out. Look for the life. They're out wide. They're about 30 to 40 k's offshore, so you get a little bit of driving. But once you find that life, stick with it, commit, and you'll catch fish. The Any size skirts? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're actually – 
I'd like to, I pretty much just run that eight to ten inch skirts, but there are a few people getting fish on smaller skirts, that six inch, but then you've got to match the hook size with it, and that's when it can become a little bit on the trickier side of things. The whiting, though, Pat, for those who want to stay inshore a little bit, they're starting to fire up in both bays, which is great to see. Western Port's getting a great run. Port Phillip's a little bit behind, as we know, with water temp, and it always will be, and that's about to fire up. And there's a few snapper starting to fire up in the ocean too, which is great to see because that means that temp must be kicking in. Head to New South Wales, Pat? Yeah, the Snowy Mountains have been fishing really well. Uh, lots of great size browns. The trout season opened up last week. Once again, it's a mixture of flies. Selters will do really well, but if you do want to hit the fly, uh, you, you do have to sort of assess uh, what insects are in the air, what's floating on the surface, and that'll give you your best chance of catching a fish. We chat to Gavin Hurley a little later in the next segment actually, and we talk about Threadbow and how he attacks uh, these fish at this time of the year. And out of Burmy, Aaron. Yeah, the striped tuna, they're as big as you've ever seen them. They're up to eight, eight kilo. I have never caught stripies that big, but anything shiny, you want to catch them. So metals will work, casting away from the schools. They can be timid, but also running just small white oki skirts and cut them down so they're nice and small, and the stripies will have no dramas uh, hitting those. Heading to WA. Fishing the shallows off Hillary, the big whiting have been in great numbers to a whopping size of 60 centimetres. So that's some seriously big fish. But something that's a whiting on steroids, as I've written it down in front of us here, Patrick, I was hoping I'm allowed to say that, Coco Islands is in its mm. prime to chase the bonefish. And they are a fish. They've got to be on your bucket list because they, they are, are fly fishing mega, those things. So they are the ultimate thing. So Coco Islands is the place to be. And there's also plenty of uh, big GTs that have been hanging around also as well. Heading to South Australia, there's been really good numbers uh, of whiting coming in from uh, Tumby Bay right now. Fish up to uh, 50 centimetres uh, on pippy and squid. They've been the preferred bait of choice. Wallaroo is producing plenty of squid uh, as well as snook and salmon, uh, both land-based. So if you are in school holidays at the moment and you want to get your kids into fishing, that's not a bad option at the at present. And as much as anything, the boat is obviously a way to get on the water and, and start to visit different areas. Tassie, land-based Kelso jetties holding plenty of barracuda right now, along with some salmon and snook. And there's been some massive brim come out of the, the Browns this week, Browns River. But from all the reports that I've read, do not eat these fish because the water quality is funny and they reckon, and I quote off a comment, they reckon your eyes will glow of a night if you do eat these fish. <laughs> so don't eat these fish, Patrick, out of the browns, but there's some quality brim uh, coming out of there. And I'll just finish off with Queensland. Fishing from Bukasia Boat Ramp, there's been some massive sand whiting holding through there. Uh, they've been eating live yabbies as the best bait. And Noosa, I had it out of there during the week. We got some beautiful pearl perch. We got some beautiful snapper as well. My old man managed to tin us a cobia, which I don't know how he did that one. <laughs> It was undersized, though. I think the legal limit was roughly 78. I think it was 77.8, as we told him, so he couldn't keep that. And uh, a gentleman on the boat also caught a Mac tuna and a few other bits and pieces. So there's plenty of biting right up around the coast at the moment, Patrick. That was the whip around for J.K. Sydney. Let the adventure begin. J.K. Sydney helping you on your next great escape. It's now time for the social club for the next-gen Ford Ranger. Everything you need for work and play. Benny. G'day, lads. I love the show. Do you guys recommend uh, getting a boat catch? I've seen them on large seven-meter-plus boats. Does it work on smaller boats? They're the ultimate thing to get, I think, Pat. You've got one on your 750 hardtop, and yeah. you go up. To and keep... I've got one on my Stabycraft as well. 
Yeah, so they are literally they're a game changer. There's all sorts of brands out there. Boat catcher is the traditional brand as such that sort of everyone goes for, hence the name of it. But and there's a, and there's uh, a bit of a reason for that. Like the 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 quality workmanship in them is is brilliant, right. and yeah. and and they were into the market very very early. You and I both both run them, and you know we've seen plenty of the advertisements around it where they've literally hung a boat from a boat catch to demonstrate just how strong that they are. Yeah, long story short, with them is if you're fishing by yourself, just have one. That's the easiest way to explain. It. If you're by yourself, you so you don't have to keep the boat in gear, then you don't have to get out, walk to the front, hitch it on, then walk back into the boat. You have the risks of slipping as you get out, especially if you are older age, which I don't mean to be rude about. Especially if you're older age and you're going, you, you have the potential of slipping over when you're doing the boat up and whatnot. You don't have to actually touch the mossy green crap that's at the ramp on on some days, and you're not going to slip over. So not only for your safety, but also for time management too. They they are a great thing to. Have. Quick one from Sean uh, before we get to the break. Hey, Red, I'm getting ready for the dive season this year for the first time. Do you recommend dive tanks or a dive hooker system? Uh, that's either either for me. Uh, for me, I personally What's cheaper? Like- no, nothing's cheap in diving. You're looking at, you're looking, you're looking at it's marine, uh, it's marine game, Pat. You know the question there. Uh, <laughs> yes, bring out another thousand. That's what a boat stands for. Doesn't the it? dive hook, dive hooker. You pick one up. I wouldn't. If you go on second hand, I'll be spending like minimum two grand, right up to sort of eight grand. Like they are quite expensive. But then you get tanks. They're five hundred dollars a tank. Every year you have to get them serviced. Plus you got to buy your regs, your BC. You're up to a couple of to few thousand dollars. The only thing is. The tanks may be slightly cheaper in the long run, but you still got to pay for air, and then you have the inconvenience of actually uh, having to find the air the night before you want to go diving the next day, if that makes sense, Pat. Because if you dive today and go, oh, the weather's great tomorrow, and you get in at 5 o'clock, the dive shut's shut at 5, you can't fill those tanks up, and that's where the dive hook is great. So shallow shallow water is great to, for, the, for the hooker system. A bit deeper, the tanks come into play, but they're both as good as each other. Check them out. Maybe even go trial them first before you buy them and work out which one you personally like a little bit better. That wraps the social club for the next-gen Ford Ranger. All aboard for Dometic. The new Dometic drinkware range goes with you anywhere. Brand new colours now available. Dometic.com. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic's new drinkware. Brand new colours now available. Now caught up with him earlier in the week. Our special guest this morning is Gavin Hurley from Hurley's Fly Fishing. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Gavin Hurley from Hurley's Fly Fishing. Good morning, Gav. G'day, Pat. Uh, Pleasure to be here, mate. Yeah. Now, as things start to warm up, it's exciting if you're a fly fisherman and if you've never tried it before, before we talk about uh, Hurley's fly fishing itself, you're offering um, a wonderful thing for those that are looking to get into fly fishing, first cast for beginners. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it can be a little bit daunting, fly fishing. You see people waving their arms and legs around you know, with a fly hanging off the end of a rod and there's a fair bit going on in it until somebody shows you how to do it and breaks it down. And it's actually relatively simple once you break down the technique. And we do the first cast uh, fly fishing courses. We hold them up at Nuji at the Alpine Trout Farm. And in a short half day, either a morning or an afternoon, 
can teach people all the skills they need to be able to cast a rod, how to select a fly, and to actually catch fish on uh, the flies that they're putting in, in, in front of the fish. And it's, it's fantastic for them, yeah. Now, I'm keen to talk more about that, but before we get to that, tell us a little bit about Hurley's fly fishing. It started in 1995. Uh, tell us a bit about the business and how it's grown to where it is today. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was working as everybody does in, in other industries, you know, as you um, begin your working career. But I just thought if I was going to work hard, I'll, I'll do it in an industry that I really enjoyed working in. And for me, that was, was fly fishing. And uh, uh, as soon as I started, I just knew this was the thing for me. I enjoyed, you know, developing new products um, and dealing with the public and, and, and making products that were better value or better design for Australia and New Zealand conditions. And it's certainly gone in leaps and bounds you know, over the past few years as we've just focused just on fly fishing. And it's just been um, an incredible journey uh, and got to see some amazing places. So uh, it's been a, a fabulous uh, part of my life. And it's not just in Australia that you've sort of conquered fly fishing, if you will. New Zealand's been a big part of the business as well. It, it certainly had. We, we, we've done trips like all over the, uh, the place from South America and Alaska and uh, even through um, Scotland and Iceland and all those really wonderful places. But I think it's, it's come to the point now where I can't spread myself too thin. We, we've just... We're going to just stick with what we're really good at, and that's our trips to New Zealand. So we've got some really great setups over in Lumsden in the South Island. It's about an hour below Queenstown, and it's in the heart of where I think some of the best wild brown sight fishing uh, can be had in the world. So it's just a wonderful place, and I spend about you know three to four to even five months a year over in that wonderful place. For so many people, I think when it comes to fishing, there's there's an element of of not getting outside of your comfort zone and whether that's fishing off the pier for squid or it's fishing for whiting in the bay or it's looking at this thing called fly fishing but nah, that that's too hard, I'm not going to go go near it. Now, for, for, for me, I looked at it and always thought that it just looks so difficult and then I went out to Millbrook Lakes and I spent a couple of days with, with Mark Weigel and, and learnt from, from people that get it and it's, it's so much easier than, than you think it's going to be. But it's also, in many ways, it's the most rewarding form of fishing, I feel, because you don't have to catch a fish in order to feel satisfaction from a cast. And, and that leads me back to uh, the first cast courses, because if you haven't given fly fishing a go, I, I cannot recommend it enough. And, and, and Gav, this is such a great way to to master it and or not necessarily master it but to learn about it and learn those little tips and tricks to make it so much more enjoyable absolutely and that's i think that's the beauty of fly fishing it's very i guess personal and um intricate and and you're one-on-one with the fish and even just walking up a river and as you say you do a great cast and it's no different to golf where you absolutely cream a drive and you go hang on, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That was magnificent. And it just spurs you on <laughs> to the next cast and, and the next fish and all that sort of stuff. And you're exactly right. And you've done the right thing. If you're not sure what to do, you get somebody who knows what they're doing to show you. So you've learned from, from Phil um, down at Millbrook, which is an outstanding uh, private fishery down there and a great way to learn. 
and exactly that we try and do a similar sort of thing with up at the Alpine Trout Farm and teach people in half a day how to do all the, the cool things that will allow them to be successful and not that catching fish is a, a requirement every single day. I've had plenty of days where you go out and don't catch a fish, but you get home and you go, that was the most enjoyable day I've had in a long time. So I think we all get different things out of it, but every now and then it's good to catch a fish. You head to uh, Hurley's fly fishing page on Instagram or on their um, Facebook page or even their um, website, hurleysflyfishing.com.au. There's a whole list of dates around the uh, first cast beginners fly fishing courses. They're 99 bucks. I cannot recommend them enough. Gav, talk to us about On The Fly. It's a show on 7, mate, our friends at Channel 7, uh, and it takes us all over Australia and, and, and all over New Zealand. Yeah, certainly. We, we've uh, done, I guess, filming for about the last 10 or 12 years, but mainly on, on the local station, Channel 31, which was great. And uh, we, we did swap to Channel 7 uh, last season, and that's been incredible because it is a, a national uh, station. So um, if they're in Darwin or in the middle of the outback in Alice Springs, they can still watch a fly fishing show. Um, and there's not many of those about. So it gives everyone into fly fishing a chance to see what you can achieve with a fly rod. And some of the places we get to throughout Australia are just absolutely stunning. And uh, uh, in New Zealand, like, again, I keep going back to it because it is really cool for sight fishing. Uh, we spend a bit of time through there as well. And just show people where they can go and what they can achieve if they make the effort uh, to get out there and really enjoy uh, everything that fly fishing has to offer. It's an update on a river somewhere, uh, Gav, <laughs> because I think that was the last fly fishing show that I'd ever watched. Um, I love it, but it's just, it's, they're hard to find. So uh, I want to take you to Threadbow, uh, and this was an encore episode a few weeks back. But so if we talk closer to home, Threadbow, and then there's obviously the end of the snow season, which is will be happening, you know, over the next month or so. Is it now time... To, to head up to the to the highlands in Victoria and New South Wales and and start to chase these fish. Yeah, certainly. I mean, as obviously the season just opened last weekend, so uh, now's the perfect time to be out and about. At the moment, as the water uh, the snow melts, the water's going to be quite cold. But over the next you know three to four weeks, that will sort of drop quite considerably, and then you get a little bit of warmth uh, as we get closer to Melbourne Cup, and that brings with it you know, some mayfly hatches, some caddis, and it really gets the fish moving as well because they, I guess their feeding habits revolve around their metabolism. So a little bit more warmth in the water will certainly make a difference. But you go into these areas like the Threadbow or even the lower, um, the base of Mount Borbore around Noogee or anywhere up the the middle as well, and you've got outstanding rivers that are just literally chock-a-block full of uh, wild trout. So it's just a fantastic opportunity to spend some time in the great outdoors that we've got throughout um, Victoria and New South Wales. You spoke off the top of the interview when you were talking about the, the first cast beginners fly fishing courses around picking the right flies. What are yep. you looking for when you go to different different places and fish different waters? Are you looking for the insects that are on the... Um, on and around the surface, in the air, what are the things that you're looking for to try and identify what the fish are feeding on? Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, sometimes you could make a decision on what fly you're going to tie on 
you know, on the Wednesday before you start fishing Saturday, and that's fine. But at other times, you really need to get there, and you might get there, and the water's a bit discoloured. So you, you, there's perhaps you know not going to be the insects on the surface, so you might go with a nymph, and that might be various colours or whatever, depending on the um, the water clarity. You might have something with a really bright bead, for example, if it's quite dark, so that the fish can see your fly. But often, I and I really. Um, like I'm just I'm in the shop now, and I'm just looking at our fly selection. There's probably a, you know a thousand different flies, but I use about the same six every single time because I do believe that they're like a, a seagull at McDonald's. If it's a bit of a chip or a bit of hamburger, they're going to eat it anyway. So if we can present it nicely and uh, and make it look natural, they're generally going to eat it. So uh, I'll tend to use a lot of what we call an Adam's parachute. That looks like a, a little mayfly or an Alcare caddis like a little caddis that floats on the surface, or a grasshopper. If you go up there and you're walking along the bank and they're literally kicking grasshoppers you know, out of uh, your way, that would be the time to tie in a grasshopper. Put that in front of a fish and he's not going to say no. And then it just makes you look like you know what you're doing, which is half the battle in this fly fishing caper. <laughs> Aaron and I always like to get stuck in when we talk about fly fishing. Aaron likes to take the piss out of the only fly fisherman they can only drive European cars and sort of fishing <laughs> fishing with Phil and Mark that sort of it, it does tend to lead to that because they're both driving Audis but when when we talk chasing these fish conditions aren't always going to be perfect and it's a conversation I often have with with Gary Rowan at the footy club and he's just gotten into to fly fishing but he has the challenges as we all do and I certainly have when we're fishing in conditions that aren't ideal and the wind gets up have you got a couple of tips and tricks for us fishing into wind with the fly because a lot of the time Gaz has brought up and said you know it's just not the day for fly fishing because it's too difficult in that wind yeah wind can certainly take the fun out of it um well the same with footy nobody likes to kick into a, an eight goal <laughs> breeze wind. you know you go <laughs> let's just play the same goals you know for all four quarters but you can't do that. So, um, and we find that when we take people on a trip to New Zealand, I mean, fair enough, I don't play golf if it's pouring with rain. I'll go, I'll, I'll play another day because I don't want to. But if, if you're going fishing on that day, you put on a raincoat and you've got waders and you get out there and have a go. But what we do find, um, the fish are wet anyway. They really don't care how windy it is and they're still going to be looking to, to um, eat. So, um yeah, the main thing is to be able to cast. And I think the hardest thing is to cast into the wind, that you need to have a high back cast. Without confusing everybody at home, it's probably a visual thing. Um, but a high back cast and a low forward cast. So, you know, everyone's talked about 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Yes. Well, yep. your back cast may, may need to stop at 12 o'clock. So it throws it up in the air, allows the wind to push it back, and then you come down to 9 o'clock and really force the fly into the wind and down low into the wind. And that allows you to get really good distance because the fish are generally going to follow the food. And if the food's going to be swept to your bank, if you're on a lake, for example, um, that's where all the food is and the fish are going to be looking there. And you've put your fly in when everyone else has sat on their couch and, and gone home. So um, every chance, as long as you've got your fly in, your, in the water, every chance of catching a fish. I've seen some of the highlights on your socials. I don't think it necessarily even needs to be in the water with some of the places that you've taken your clients. Quite extraordinary. <laughs> Before we wrap yeah. up, uh, Gav, it's it's more than just a uh, fly fishing store. There's a travel element. 
where you take people to all parts of Australia and New Zealand. Can you finish up the interview for us uh, around the shops and just the packages that you offer? Because it's so much more than just a transactional walk-in, I'll buy this and that's it. There's conversations around how you can improve your fishing. You're genuinely invested with the people that come into the into the store and, and come on your trips around improving their enjoyment when it comes to fly fishing. Yeah, certainly. And, and that's the thing with, with fly fishing, if you play, the same with golf, if you play once a year, in 20 years, you're going to be the same terrible golfer that you were 20 years before. And it's the same with fly fishing. So we try and get people um, fishing better. And so they're more successful. It's more fun. And you get way more enjoyment out of it. And the, the following step from that is to take them on, on an adventure to New Zealand. And that's what they really are. I mean, we do, we, most of all our trips are all seven days, from a Sunday to a Sunday. All they've got to do is just get on a plane and get to Queenstown, and then we take care, care of everything else from, um, you know, all, every meal from their, their fishing licence. Uh, we even shout them a couple of uh, frothies at the end of the day too, which is quite <laughs> handy. But we teach them along the way, and that's, I think fly fishing is so enjoyable because it is such a journey, and you're learning all the time. So we have professional guides that uh, fish with them, much the same as playing golf, you know, with a golf pro. And he fixes every little uh, problem that you have along the way. And uh, by the end of the week, um, the improvement in everybody, whether they've been fly fishing for, you know, literally a year or they've been doing it for 20 years, they improve out of sight by the end of it. And we think that the New Zealand, because it's so visual, you see everything happen, you learn very quickly from it. And I think it's the best place in the world to, to spend a bit of time. So we do seven-day adventures is our main thing. But we can also do... You know, we might have um, people over there and they're just having a, a bit of a, a touristy look. We, we have guides that can just do a day or two as well and can provide all the gear to make sure that they get a taste of what New Zealand can be really like. Trip of a lifetime, no doubt. And, of course, uh, Hurley's Fly Fishing, 489 South Road, Bentley in Victoria. The phone number 0395321583. Go in and say good day to the boys. Uh, and they'll help you on your next fly fishing adventure. Gav, thanks so much for your time this morning on Real Adventures. Excellent, mate. My absolute pleasure. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely love it. Gavin Hurley from Hurley's Fly Fishing. That is all aboard for Dometic. The new drinkware range goes with you anywhere. Brand new colours now available at Dometic.com. It is now time for Red's Review, our product review uh, of the week for the next-gen Ford Ranger. Everything you need for work and play. Now, I like this one, Redmond, because I, I purchased myself one of these during the week and I paid for it with my own money, so it's not a product placement at all. But Ryobi's 18-volt, <laughs> 1 plus HP, 600 PSI, easy clean. Now, that sounds like an absolute mouthful. What it is... Sorry, say that, say that again, sorry. <laughs> what it is is a portable power washer. So it's a gurney, Aaron. It's a gurney that you can pick up with your hands. You don't have a trolley behind it. There's no wheels. And all you do is attach your garden hose to it. So this is bloody great if you're at the boat ramp or I actually bought it for Windows, and then I got home and I thought, God, this is going to be great for the the seven and a half at Queenscliff, because when we bring it in as, we've got the we've got the hose there, but we can't 
always get the pressure that we like to get. So well, we can. We just use the fire hose, and I've been in trouble about three or four <laughs> times. So I probably I probably shouldn't be using it. <laughs> no, correct. So there's there's quick connect fittings that come with it. Now the one that I bought, I got home and I thought, oh, that was pretty cheap. It was one hundred and sixty dollars. It didn't have a battery with it. Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's got the same batteries. If you've got the, um, you know, all the other different tools that Roby has with the the batteries that can go from from you know a drill to well, this lucky, power lucky washer. you're a handyman. Lucky you're a handyman, Pat. What would we done without you, mate? People take the piss out of me and my Roby gear all the time. It's like, oh, you didn't get a Milwaukee, mate? Do I look like a builder to you? Do I look like a chippy? <laughs> No, I've what been do you think I'm house. doing during the week? I've been to your house and your boots are brand new and they've been there for 14 years. <laughs> any, uh, no, that's, any, a good, that's a good review. I like that. Oh, you've done very well there. Good find. <laughs> anyway, so they're available at the moment. I bought mine from Bunnings. I'm sure you can get them from pretty much wherever you buy Roby gear. Well, can I can I pull you up for a second here? Okay, I've just no. read. I've just read this. You can actually attach a water bottle to this as well. So you don't even need to hook up to a hose. No, you can do it at the bottom of it. Yep, that is a game changer. I'm just—I've only just read that now. That's the game changer for me. Well, and the other part about that. So, say I fish at um, at Mogs, I go off the beach, and there's no washdown facility at all. If you've got a bucket, like you said, as bang, you're away. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. So, you can refill it in the ocean too. If you oh, that would defeat the purpose of cleaning it. Will it? <laughs> it does. So uh, it's available now. They're two forty nine with everything in it, so batteries, etc. Or they're about one hundred and sixty bucks without. Uh, I didn't know that I bought it without, but um, you know, don't <laughs> let the don't let the devil other the, the uh, detail get in the way. But that is our Reds review for the next gen Ford Ranger for this week. You're listening to Real Adventures for the next gen Ford Ranger for work or play. Welcome back to Real Adventures for the next gen Ford Ranger. Everything you need for work and play, it's time for Red's tip. Yeah, I've got to be quick today, but if you're heading out of a place new for fishing, and that's you what I mean, for the last 10 days, you fish Noosa. Yep, Noosa River. It's a great idea to go with a local. So whether you hire a guide, which you can do, head to your tackle store, speak to them, they'll point you in the right direction like we, like we did, and they pointed us into the direction of the Noosa Charter Boat, and we went out with them guys, and it's deep, deep sea, deep sea uh, fishing charters Noosa. That's what it's called. And they basically went through the exit of the bar. They got to show us. I got to pick up things on how to travel out there, as well as also safely, I should say, and also managed to get out there and different areas of fishing. Now I'm not going to go to where they fished, but I, I didn't. I'm, I got no interest in their marks. So I'll work it out myself. But what I have interest for is the way they fish, the techniques they used, the what they were looking at, the baits they used, but not only just that, it was also the idea of how they moved. They were very active with their moving when things didn't happen. They were waiting for a certain tide. So I picked up cues the whole time I was on the charter. I'm not going to be a prick and go to their marks because that's disrespectful on my behalf. I wouldn't do that, just that's my personal opinion. But you can do that. They will give you the spots and the areas to go. That's the part of the charter business. Yes, you might get sinkers thrown at you the next day if they want to go back there. But <laughs> it's, it is it is definitely a way to learn the area and ex- especially a place like Noosa where you do have to cross a specific section of water that is known as a dangerous bar. That's Red's tip. Beautiful work. The flying gaff. Well, they needed a gaff to uh, to slow down a raging bull that uh, crashed and jumped over the fences 
at the stands during a Rodeo Redmond uh, at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa over the weekend. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers started uh, the season well in the NFL last week. Tommy Brady and the boys got the job done, but <laughs> things were a little more crash and bash in the uh, the Rodeo where this bull literally jumps the barrier and then there is people flying everywhere trying to get out of the way of this bull who have been sitting in the stands. So the, the gaff this week heads to the uh, the bull at the Rodeo uh, in Florida at the state. What brain cells rounds. do you have to have to be – What how many brain cells do you have to have to ride bulls? Because there's no but, way you could pay me any sort of money to do it. Mate, they were safer than the people in the stands. They, they were they were fine. The bull wasn't there. Actually, were, the bull was literally in the stands. <laughs> I put it on the example of when I went to Australia Zoo this week with the family. Oh, I don't think – I'm not really scared of sharks and whatnot, but you ain't getting me in the water with a three-and-a-half-metre croc named Charlie. I'm not <laughs> – I give him credit for that too. Anyway, I think uh, I think they've got more something what than I do, that's for sure. That wraps Real Adventures for the next-gen Ford Ranger. See you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.